0: I'll be honest with you. I, I I wanted to. I envisioned myself working in the emergency room for as long as I could. I could, but I got emotionally burnt out after every shift. I was. Just, I didn't want to go back. Every day was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Sometimes you might not get paid at all. There's been situations where nurses don't get paid at all by attorneys and then it's just like a loss on the company. So if you're a nurse that wants to do this as a side hustle, you need to have a primary source of income. And as you're getting dipping your toe into the water, you kind of figure out how money flows. You can start to move away from bedside.
1: Imagine this, you've spent years studying, training, and working hard to become a nurse. You're finally licensed and ready to practice, and you're excited to make a difference in the lives of your patients. But then, out of nowhere, you receive a letter from your state's Board of Registered Nursing. It's an investigation into your nursing license, and suddenly, your career is in jeopardy. You may be placed on probation, have your license suspended, or even have it revoked altogether. This scenario is a reality for many nurses in the United States, and it's a terrifying thought. But the good news is that there are steps that you can take to protect your right to practice nursing and avoid triggering an investigation by the Board of Registered Nursing. In this video, we'll be speaking directly with a legal nurse consultant who will tell us everything you need to know about what it's like to be a legal nurse Consultant and what you can do to protect your license. We'll also speak with her about the potential earnings of a legal nurse consultant and whether it's financially worth it or not. So, with that, Liz, let us know where you're from and why you decided to become a nurse.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Liz. I'm a registered nurse from Houston, Texas, born and raised. You know, I think I've I've always had nursing as my calling. Um, I don't know if you remember the show Nine One One in the '90s and like life trauma in the ER, in the ER on on TLC. I used to be so obsessed with those shows when I was eight, nine, 10 years old. So I always knew I wanted to do something in medicine. And it was actually my mom that encouraged me to go to nursing school because she said that it would, I think the word she used was be conducive to motherhood, actually is what she told me. So that's actually why I went to nursing. I love it, but also because I knew that whenever I became a mom, which I'm a mom now, I could easily go in and out of the workforce doing per diem, part-time, full-time, et cetera. That's why I went into nursing. I love it. That's my calling.
1: How long have you been a nurse?
0: I graduated nursing school in the summer of 2012. So I'm coming up on 11 years.
1: We graduated on the same year, (laughs) if I remember correctly. I think it was 2012. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, 11 years. This, uh, This summer will be 11 years.
1: And what departments did you work in? What specialty?
0: So right out of nursing school, I did emergency department. I did that for about six years. Gosh, I, I I got burned out. To be honest with you, around the six-year mark, I got really burned out. I didn't work during the pandemic, but I stopped working in the emergency room like 2017, and then I went into telephone triage because I, I still like that fast pace, you know, working under pressure kind of situation. So I did telephone triage for a big organization here in Houston. And then I worked my way up doing, uh, I was an assistant nurse manager and then the nurse manager. And then I was recruited by the chief nurse, nursing officer uh, to be a process improvement specialist working on the clinical side. So I would help nurses try to improve their workflow physicians help with their workflow, doing documentation improvement projects. And I did that for the better half of four years, four or five years. And then everything changed in 2019 when I had my first baby, my first son. He was born and I decided to leave that and just do per diem at a ambulatory clinic here in Houston. And I did that for a little while
1: interesting. You know, the fact that you mentioned that you got burned out after six years and you got burned out, this wasn't even during the pandemic. Is that correct? Yeah. And it I, wasn't
0: even, I worked at a level three trauma center in Houston, which is Houston. So it's really like a level two C level one yeah. stuff. i be honest with you. I, I, I wanted to, I envisioned myself working in the emergency room for as long as I could, I could but I got emotionally burnt out after every shift I was just, I didn't want to go back. Every day was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. It wasn't my coworkers. It was just the the constant. I don't know if it was short because of short staffing or because I was the way you were treated by patients, but it was never the physicians or my coworkers. I always felt very supported by, by them. And I'm still very good friends with them to, to this day.
1: Yeah. You know, I've been an ER nurse now for about 10 years. I, I worked telemetry for one year, and I thought switching my environment would probably <laughs> reset the burnout meter. <laughs> so I went from working in the ER in New York City, which is like you have no ratios there to now. I'm in California where we have ratios, but it still feels the same. It feels like no matter where I go, no matter which ER I work in, it's still, it's, it's draining on your soul. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. It's and a lot. I think a lot of nurses don't talk about this too often, but I'll be very transparent. I got to the point where I was like, wanting to drink after every shift, not to get drunk, but just to decompress. Yeah. And I thought this is not, who else does this? Like, well, I don't want to yeah. do this. This is not healthy. And so I'm glad that I made that switch. So if you're already our nurse that like, I know I'm talking about legal nurse consulting, but yeah. you want to break from that face to face care. Telephone triage is actually one of my other passions. I, I love telephone triage because I loved being a triage period. I like trying to figure out what was going to happen in what five, ten minutes of seeing somebody. It's the same thing on yeah. the telephone, except you don't get to see them. You have to see with your ears and and get those, ask the right questions to get what you're trying to get out of this patient and yeah. and put them in the right place. So it's, it's a great it's a great opportunity too if there's. If anybody's interested.
1: It's funny that you mentioned that because the majority of the nurses that I work with, when they leave the ER, they either go to the PACU or telephone triage. <laughs> they become advice nurses.
0: <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it has its downsides, but it also, it's, yeah. uh it can get kind of monotonous. Um, yeah. And if you're in the ER, you don't really don't like monotony because you're always seeing something different. Uh, even if it's abdominal pain, you still have something. Every abdominal pain patient is different, right? Like uh, Absolutely. But There's it's very interesting in telephone triage and it's very popular. A lot of uh, hospital systems and ambulatory care systems are moving to having telephone triage nurses screen their calls and disposition them in the right place.
1: And can you give us the real numbers, if you can, of how much you earned as a new grad working in the ER and then your transition from that to telephone triage and your job after that?
0: Um, yeah, so I think when I graduated from nursing school, I think they started new grads off at like $21 an hour. This was back in 2012. So I think it was between 21 and 23. Then you finish your six month orientation. And I think they bumped you up like five bucks. So you're around 28. 27, 28. And then you would get incremental couple dollar increases once you hit like six month marks, if I remember correctly. At some point when I worked in the ER, I think I uh, stopped working as a full-time employee and switched to per diem. So they moved my hourly pay to like, I think it was like $45 an hour, like around 2017.
1: And this, and this was in Houston?
0: This was in Houston. Yeah.
1: You know, that, that's pretty good because that's what I was making in New York City.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh. I, was, I was excited. I was like 24 yeah. at the time and I switched for DM yeah. because uh, I needed some more cash. But I left there, went to Telephone Triage, and I got bumped, bumped back down again because it's salary. It's not hourly when you work for the state. But I didn't care. I was willing to make that that sacrifice because yeah. I was so burnt out, but it ended up working in my favor because I took the pay cut and I ended up getting some managerial experience, which I appreciated. Cause I yeah. experience like that is invaluable. So I took a pay cut and it ended up working in my, uh, my favor because I got the attention of the CNO and I started working for her and I got a huge salary increase. I was a little over a hundred grand salary. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was eight to five.
1: And that's in Houston, Texas. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I did that for a little while. That, um, and I loved working for her. I loved the team. And I really got an inside view to process improvement. And that completely changed my life. Process improvement is like, I love process improvement. You should see my spice cabinet. It's-
1: <laughs> so for the new nurses out there, can you explain to them what process improvement is and like what you would do as a nurse in that area of expertise?
0: sure so if so unknown to me at the time I, when I was working in the emergency department I was asked by my manager to become part of a process improvement committee I'm an overachiever so I said yes I, I'll say yes to any opportunity that people present to me so I said yeah I'll help you well little did I know there was actually a process improvement committee that was trying to improve the flow from triage to uh, the bedtime so what were our hangups what was our hangups in triage so we would come in our off days and record times and, and try to identify what were the hangups. So we don't have a tech in the front Mm -hmm. with the triage. It's just the triage nurse doing EKGs and doing lab work. We should have two techs up in the front to help her or him. And then, so then they, then they, uh, we suggested that they bring a, uh, an LVN to do just lab draws and fast track, right? So the nurses are not doing that. They're actually doing the medicines and the LVN is doing all the blood work, urine specimen, It just frees up your time. So in the hospital, that's what that might look like. You're improving those door to uh, disposition time or what are your hangups with getting certain labs done or hangups, right? They're called bottlenecks uh, and process improvement. So I did do that. And then on the ambulatory care side, the process improvement that I did for nurse triage was trying to figure out how we could disposition patients faster on the phone and not be on the phone for so long and make the right decision in the shortest amount of time possible. So I improved the documentation, try to keep it concise, but still protect the nurses with what they were documenting, sending messages to the physicians and getting responses, trying to improve our, our flow on the computer, trying to access different uh, systems and protocols and stuff like that. So that's really where I got all that experience from. And I implement a lot of what I learned there in legal nurse consulting now.
1: Sounds like something I'd be interested in, but I think I'm just so burnt out with nursing that I just (laughs) I'm focused on so many other things right now. And I'm trying to follow those paths instead. But um, when you speak about process improvement in the ER, I noticed there's like a common theme is when you add additional staff to a particular area that's when things improve. <laughs> and the one thing that I've noticed in many of the places that I've been to, that's thats what really holds everything up is when they can't hire or they're not willing to hire more staff because of you know, financial constraints.
0: I mean, that's like the theme around the whole United States, right? Everyone yeah. keeps talking about the shortages and there's not enough nurses and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, there's only so much that they can do. If there's shortages and there's no applicants, it's, yeah. I feel like it's not their fault. If nurses don't yeah. want to go back or don't want to work for you, then what do you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to, you have to get creative. So somebody, it wasn't me that suggested let's hire an LVN, but they hired an LVN who did all the blood draws and fast track. Yeah. Uh, and they hired an extra tech who wanted to do just the EKGs in the front. And so, you can get creative with that stuff that's in within bounds of their license. Right. You don't want to have an RN drawing blood work when they can be helping somebody in trauma or they could be helping somebody in acute. Um, you know, I empathize. I think one thing that people don't recognize sometimes and me myself, I empathize with leadership, especially my managers because they're the middleman they're in middle between the higher ups and their staff and they're getting it from both sides. And so when I joined, when I was, when I became a manager, I was like, Oh, I'm going to help my, my nurses. (laughs) And then you see a whole different side of them that you didn't, didn't feel as a staff nurse. So I empathize a lot with middle level managers and my staff because I, I, I see myself still as a staff nurse, even if I was a manager or whatever.
1: I I totally get where you're coming from because when I was in New York City, um, I was a charge nurse over there most of the time when I would come to work and I had really close relationships with all of the managers, assistant managers, director, like we all, we would all hang out after work, right? So we would all talk about what was it that was holding them back from, you know, granting the nurses all of their wishes. And many of the times they would tell us it's like they have to answer to someone above them. You know, so I get it. I totally do. You know, and that's what sucks though. It, because, you know, like you said, when you're in management, you want to do what's best for your employees, for your colleagues, and you want to do what's best for the patients. But sometimes it's like, it's hard to get a balance between the two.
0: Uh, yeah. That uh, You couldn't have said it better. I mean, they, they care. I feel like, I know there's bad apples, there's bad apples everywhere, but nurses are naturally nurturing and empathetic. Yeah. And want to help and yeah. want to talk to you. And I find that most managers that I've worked for, they care a lot about me and I care a lot about them. I had a staff nurse that, um, or not a staff nurse, but I had a scheduler that I would never say no to. She she mm. needed me to work. I'm there. I got you. Yeah. Let's go. Like, yeah. But then in the back end, when I needed something, she would do it for me. Hey, I need to be off this yeah. week. Can you make something work? Yes. She'd move he- heaven and earth to try to get me off, but I would move heaven and earth to help her. And I think if we have a, I know that right now it's kind of contentious from what I see on social media. I've been out of the the hospital setting for the better half of four years now. I think everything changed during the pandemic and everybody was just on thin ice and hanging on by a thread that you didn't care about anything. You just needed help. So I don't know. Did you, I'm assuming that you worked during the pandemic and everything kind of changed (laughs) the relationships between everybody changed.
1: I think that's what accelerated my desire to get out of nursing because I felt like everybody just got so jaded from coming to work during the pandemic. Now that we've gotten this out of the way, I want to dive deeper into this legal nurse consulting thing. Right. So can you tell us or describe a process of what it takes to prepare for a case? of a legal nurse consultant but actually before that let us know exactly what a legal nurse consultant does
0: so from a a very simple answer legal nurses are the bridge between medicine and law we typically work for personal injury attorneys or medical malpractice attorneys and we review the records to kind of tell them what happened or what didn't happen um that's like a very simple answer Uh, attorneys know the law, nurses know the medical side of things, the nursing side of things, and we inform them through report writing or documentation and let them know what happened or what didn't happen, depending on the allegations of the client, which I'm still getting used to saying client because attorneys (laughs) do say client instead of patient. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Just (laughs) FYI. But there's actually like a whole, there's a lot of different modalities in legal nurse consulting. There's nurses at work, product liability, mass tort case. So product liability would be like, um, you know, those commercials that you see, like if you ever had an IBC filter, implanted oh, in you, yeah. whatever, whatever. Right. And it's something went wrong with it. That's a product liability, legal nurse consultant. A mass tort case would be like the stuff that's going on with Johnson and Johnson with the the talcum oh. powder causing cancer in like a lot of different, a lot of patients across the country. That's somebody that specializes in mass tort. There's nurses that do life clear planning. So let's say somebody got hit by a truck and now they're a paraplegic and they're going through a lawsuit to try to, you know, they shouldn't have hit me. It's a wrongful, whatever. Something happened to me here. A life care planner could look at the patient's records and say, they have a million dollars amounted to their medical care. And I'm expect they're expected to have three more million dollars worth of medical care. So that's a life care planner. There is gosh. So my area is mostly personal injury and medical malpractice. So that's a person who's was injured on the job or in a car accident at the hospital um etc
1: how do you get or how do the lawyers get a hold of you how do you advertise your your services do you um reach out to them do they reach out to you how does that work
0: so i can't speak for everybody because legal nursing is is um so broad. Uh, Legal nursing is more of like an umbrella and then like I kind of explained to you like the different areas of practice, kind of like nursing where you have ER, ICU, et cetera, cetera. legal nursing consulting is the same way. For me, how I actually got into legal nurse consulting was actually during the pandemic, I was working at that ambulatory care clinic as a per diem nurse and I was looking for nursing positions that were not at the bedside. So I just got on YouTube, I started reading blogs and I came across legal nurse consulting. I didn't know what it was. So I ordered some books from eBay or from Amazon and I started reading them. Once I kind of got informed about what it was, I thought I would like it because of my background and in, in, um, process improvement and stuff like that. So I made a post on my Facebook. Does anybody out there know any legal nurse consultants I can talk to? My manager, my hiring manager when I was a new grad was a new legal nurse consultant. Oh. <laughs> and I started working for her. As a mass tort nurse. So I looked at those big cases like that involved big litigation, like against Roundup and talcum powder, etc. I did that for the better half of a year and a half. And then I had another baby. I had my second baby and I really wanted to stay home. So I didn't even know at the time that you could do legal nurse consulting as an independent company or your independent contractor. So I started doing my homework that way. I said, okay, well, I'm going to have the baby and then I'm going to spend some time with the baby doing my thing for a couple months, six months, and I'm going to try doing this on my own. That's how I started to this legal nurse consulting. I'm an independent, I'm the only sole owner of a company and I contract myself with other nurses who have companies and I market myself directly to attorneys. So some attorneys do know that legal nurse consultants do exist and then others don't. So it just depends how you find work. LinkedIn is very heavy for finding work. You can go directly to the attorney's offices in your local town and say, Hey, this is what I do. Most of my work, to be honest, is with, I subcontract. So I work for other very busy legal nurse consultants assisting them with their caseload.
1: So would you say that getting on LinkedIn helped you get more cases or more work?
0: It did. That's where most of the the networking that I did with other legal nurse consultants, that's how I marketed myself uh, to them.
1: You know, every time I interview a new nurse, (laughs) regardless of what specialty they're in, it seems like also with them, it's a common theme that many of them are either able to get their jobs uh, through LinkedIn, because either somebody reached out to them or they reached out to somebody, or it's just being able to network with people that you may have not even met otherwise. Right. So I think LinkedIn is so much more powerful than many people realize, right. Because I actually got a hold of you through LinkedIn, right. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and I didn't even know who you were. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. I added you. I added you on LinkedIn yeah. because I like the YouTube channel. And I'm a big YouTuber. Everybody knows that I, I consume a lot of information on YouTube about stuff that I don't know or just what's going on in the world or like different topics that I'm interested in. So that's how I found you. Um, and I'm really new to LinkedIn. Um, I had barely joined last year, uh, like October. And really? I did a lot of research about what what type of posts work, how could I market my skills to people to get people to notice me and, and want want me to work for them. Now, I don't want to work for everybody. Yeah. I want to work for right performing nurses, right? Absolutely. And so I would, try to, I would try to get on their radar. So I would identify a very successful legal nurse consultant and just engage with their posts and try to get them to say, hey, who is this girl? She's always liking my stuff or she's always commenting. <laughs> and then they go to my page and look at the stuff that I'm posting. And then we would start a conversation. And now I'm working for five legal nurse consultants and I have three attorneys of my own, but most of my work comes from subcontracting which I like because it gives me the freedom to say no when I have something that, you know, has something to do.
1: See, the thing that differentiates successful people from unsuccessful people is that successful people always find a way to reach success, right? I've noticed everything that you've done, you've done research to get to where you are. You know, to become a legal nurse consultant, you bought those books on Amazon, you did your research on YouTube, and then you reached out to people who might possibly be able to lead you in the right direction. A lot of people are just always afraid to start, but I always tell them, don't, you know, being afraid of starting is what's gonna prevent you from starting. Just start and then figure it out along the way. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I think probably what helps me is that Mm -hmm. I have a background in athletics. I played college Mm -hmm. softball. So I'm kind of used to doing hard things Mm -hmm. and working for tough people. I guess you could say coaches and stuff like that. So I'm Mm -hmm. never afraid to, to talk to somebody or reach out to somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I am afraid of. And I still, I think a lot of nurses suffer from this is imposter syndrome. And I think that probably (laughs) comes back to like, nursing school because every time you would study for something it was never enough you're like oh my god this might be on the test and this might be on the test and so you would never stop studying and i think that's where some of my imposter syndrome comes from so when i got into legal nurse consulting i was like i don't want to jump into this and not know anything i need to know something i can't just say okay i want to do this today and it's just there for the taking because it's not like that at all especially if you want to run your own company you you have to have some foundational skills you have to do your homework because there's nurses that that have paved the way for this industry to thrive. And so they want to attract nurses who want to do this and love it, not just for the money. Cause that's, I think, I think one of your questions um, was like, what are the, one of the biggest like uh, misconceptions is that it's easy and it's just, there's lots of work out there and you're going to make a lot of money and just take this course and you're going to make $200 an hour. Well, that's probably true, but you have to know what you're doing. Number one, and you have to attract an attorney who, thinks you're worth $200 an hour. Yeah, that's so true. it's not easy. Yeah. It's definitely not easy. You have to do your homework and you have to build relationships with nurses and you have to have a, a lot of tenacity. Um, yeah. and I know I posted every day on LinkedIn for like three months. Wow. I did. Yeah, I did because I <laughs> wanted, to, I wanted to get traction with nurses who would allow me to work for them and learn from them. And that's exactly where I'm at right now. I work for some awesome nurses Amy, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're watching this, follow Amy Swinehart, Alyssa Brandenburg. Those are awesome legal nurse consultants that are very successful in what they do, and I'm grateful they took me under their wing.
1: Cool. I'll make sure that I follow them too. Then, sweet. <laughs> and one thing I noticed is consistency helps too, because for you to do that, you know, every single day that's, that's very difficult to do. You got to constantly motivate yourself to go on LinkedIn, make sure you write a post and you have to do this consistently, right? Because it's the same thing with any other field. Like I'm, I have to do it with YouTube. And for the last six months before January, because, you know, holidays came and it threw me off because we were going on vacation. We were spending time with family. But for the last six months I was posting weekly videos. And that's what I think helped our channel grow so fast. But to be able to continue that, you know, indefinitely, if you have to, that's, that's the hardest thing to do. But the more interviews I get, the more videos people are going to see. So hopefully I can get more interviews. If you know anybody who's doing something unique, make sure you let them know to reach out to me.
0: Oh yeah. I've already, I've already spread the word uh, okay. about your channel, as far as many people as I can. I can because I think your mm. channel is number one. It's great because it shows nurses that there's other types of nursing fields outside of just hospital based care. And then you integrate finance, which is also very, very important to me and my family. Um, everything kind of changed around the pandemic. Uh, oh. I read My husband told me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and yeah. everything just flicked the light on for uh, me. Was, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the book really that does flip that switch in people's head. And I, I get that a lot from everybody who's like, you know what, I'm tired of this nine to five job. I need to figure something else out. This is not working for me anymore. And that's the book.
0: Yeah. If you haven't read it, please put yeah. it on your to-do list. It'll it'll yeah. definitely change your perspective on work and entrepreneurship and et cetera, all of it.
1: I agree. All right. So now that we know what a legal nurse consultant is and does, can you describe your process of preparing for a case?
0: Um, sure. So, so because I do personal injury and medical malpractice, uh, we'll do personal injury first. So normally the attorney will give me a case review of what's going on with the client. Let's say they were in a car accident and they hurt their back. They'll tell me like their allegations are lower back pain, et cetera, et cetera, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Then I'll go back and they'll give me the medical records of this patient's treatment for an extended period of time. And I will summarize what occurred from the moment that they had the accident to what the last step is for them. Like, okay, they need surgery. So I'll put it in a word document. It's called a chronology, a medical chronology, and it'll just be by date. On 1-1-2023, patient went to XYZ clinic, and I'll just put in, just like you see in a medical record, HPI, vital signs, treatment, assessment plan, and I'll just put that in and then keep going. So when I get to the very end, I will make a summary for the attorney to read, to say, this is exactly what happened to this client. These are the injuries that they have. And then I'll send it back and then they'll do whatever they need to do with it. They'll go to court. They'll you know, fight with the insurance adjuster to say, this patient requires X amount of dollars for all of their treatments and injuries.
1: So all of the data you're gathering and putting together seems to be very objective data, right? It's not subjective. Like, When you summarize it, you're summarizing it in an unbiased and objective manner for the attorney.
0: Yes, you have to be. Uh, that's exactly what they're looking for. You don't embellish anything. You don't uh, make something, you don't put anything that's not there. You just put in exactly what you see or what you think is missing. Those are pretty straightforward. Personal injury cases are pretty straightforward. I mean, there's nothing really, it could be somebody that got injured at work and you're summarizing what happened to them. It could be a car accident. It could be somebody that tripped and fell on a sidewalk or slipped in a grocery store. And you just summarize what happened to them or what you expect is going to happen to them by whatever you read in their medical record. So, Uh, those are pretty straightforward. Those are not like, they're fun because I like doing chronologies. I like to put it all together and Mm -hmm. present it in a nice little summary, but
1: it's like, it's like writing a documentary, right? Like the timeline of the (laughs) events.
0: Yeah. If you're, if you're an analytical nurse and Mm -hmm. you like to write and you like to kind of put everything in a bow, legal nurse consulting, or for that portion of the chronology, it's I think it's fun. I like it. It's not for everybody. Um, yeah. Most most nurses that you talk to, like just like they would tell you in nursing, it has to be passion for, for you. You can't just get into nursing and do it for the money. Um, I enjoy doing those things because I like working on the computer and I like summarizing what happened. Now, as far as medical malpractice, those are quite different because a client could go to a personal injury attorney and claim that there was some type of injury that occurred in the hospital. Or in a medical setting, are you familiar with the case um, at Cedars Sinai with Kira Johnson? I think her name is. It was a, a patient, and this is like public information. I'm not like divulging anything yeah. of a yeah. client of mine or anything. It's it's on the news. Mm-hmm. What happened to her is a perfect example of a medical malpractice case, and I guarantee you, there's probably a legal nurse consultant working on that case from California. Right. She basically. It was a pregnant woman who went in for a cesarean section. And when she went into recovery, her husband was noticing that there was like blood in her Foley catheter. He mentioned it to the nurses that there's blood in her Foley and people kept ignoring her. 10 hours went by. They finally took her back to surgery and she had like two or three liters of blood in her abdomen and she passed away.
1: Yeah. I remember this case. You heard about that? Yeah. Yeah. That was so sad. So that, that's that a
0: case sad. of like, you know, deviation in the standard of care, a delay in care. Why didn't the nurses report it to the physician? Why didn't the physician act? That's an example of a medical malpractice negligence case uh, that's very public. But on my end, I might get a case like that from an attorney saying, hey, X, Y, and M. This patient is claiming this happened. Can you review the records and tell me, do you think there's a case here? Do you think there's not? And that's where your critical thinking skills really come out to shine because that attorney's hiring you as a nurse to tell Mm -hmm. them what happened and explain to them what happened so that they can either move forward with the case or say, I'm not going to move forward with this case because I don't have anything here. So it's actually harder than it looks because there's your opinion matters a lot. Yes.
1: Yeah. So how does the payment of a legal nurse consultant actually happen? When you take a case, do you tell the lawyer, hey, this is the fee that I charge for the entire case, or is there an hourly rate? How do you guys work that out?
0: Um, If they're interested in my services, we'll usually jump on a call and I'll say, this is what I offer. Here's a sample product of a previous case that I've worked on. This is something that you like. This is something I can do for you. This is what I charge by the hour and they'll say yes or no. A lot of attorneys don't know that there is legal nurse consultants out there, or they've used a legal nurse consultant before who wasn't very good, and they've been burned by them. So they don't use any legal nurse consultants in the future, or they'll tell their attorney friends, don't use a legal nurse consultant because I got burned by one. Or they could say, I use a very good legal nurse consultant. You should use her too. She's fantastic. So remember, I mean, legal nurse consulting has only been around since like the eighties. It's a relatively new specialty. So the word is spreading about our services and good attorneys know what we have to offer. So it really, the pricing that you give really just depends on if they're willing to pay you the price that you think you're worth, yeah. it ranges from $50 an hour all the way to $200 an hour. So oh. it's one of those things that you can't really talk about. Like this is exactly what I charge. Cause it's considered. I, I yeah. Right. Okay. But the range is so wide there that, um, so it's by the It's oh. basically yeah. by the hour.
1: So when you first started out, uh, was your rate much lower than it is now?
0: N- no, it, it is. Okay. It's always been the same since I started, I was advised to, to do that at that rate. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had any issues with, yeah, to be honest with you, I'm not really marketing towards attorneys because my priority is my family. And I want to be home as much as possible and take care of my kids because my husband works a lot of hours. I don't have the time and energy to give to running a full scale, busy LLC practice. So I like to work for other nurses who want to grow their business and they need a good legal nurse consultant to help them. I'm your girl. But I do have a couple of attorney clients that give me cases here and there that that I work for directly, but it's not crazy, crazy busy.
1: So how many hours a week would you say you work right now as a legal nurse consultant?
0: Well, lately I've been pretty busy. To be honest, yeah. I probably work—I probably work anywhere between 20 and 40 hours, just depends on my caseload. But I'm averaging right now about two cases a week. I'm staying pretty busy. The money's coming in, yeah. but like I said, I, when you subcontract, you don't make the full—the full hourly rate. The nurse that has that relationship with the attorney makes the full hourly rate, and they pay you a portion of that amount. And so I think that discourages a lot of nurses because they know they can make the full amount, but you know, it just depends on where your priorities are. To me, I want to learn and I want to work for good nurses. It'll teach me what they know when it's time to pull the trigger and I don't have small babies anymore, then I can, you know, grow the business. Cause there's nurses out there that have 200, 300, $400,000 businesses and they have a bunch of legal nurse consultants working for them. And that's the business model, right? Or you could be a huge corporation and you're working for hundreds of, you have hundreds of attorneys and a lot of legal and you can be in the millions at that point. There is companies out there like that.
1: So how much would you say you can earn per month working 20 to 40 hours a week?
0: Probably, I don't know, anywhere between six, six and 10,000.
1: Oh that's pretty good actually. Wow. On the
0: high end I'm yeah. high end 10 but on the low end I mean yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have any cases at all during
1: Dang, the week. but I mean come on that's working like 20 hours a week that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm probably embellishing a little bit because I don't well, have my my stuff right in front of me but um yeah. anywhere between I mean you can make anywhere between 10 and 10, uh, 2 and 10 it just depends yeah. on The type of case you have and how many how many cases you have and if you have a lot of legal nurse consultants working for you think about it you have four legal nurse consultants working for you they all have a case you're getting a portion of that you're paying them i mean the the opportunities are endless
1: so can a nurse do this as a side hustle or would this just be considered a second job
0: (laughs) well you can really make it anything you want it's really one of those positions where it's a la carte in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are cool. nurses out there that are full-time. This is what they do. They run a big company. They're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there's nurses like me who want to be a mom, stay-at-home mom and have a little bit of work and not lose some of their skills. And I make anywhere between one and $2,000 a week just to kind of have like a little... So, so it's a side hustle for me because I could say, no, I don't want to work this week or yeah. I don't want to work next week. Or it could be a second job. There's a lot of nurses who actually do expert witness work. And if you've ever heard of an expert witness, this would be yes. a nurse who... who's clinical and they will be called up by an attorney to, testify on a case related to something that went wrong in the hospital setting or to a patient Uh, now those nurses charge a little bit more and that would be considered a second job because you do have to be clinically active to do that i'm not clinically active i'm mostly a behind the nurse behind the scenes legal nurse consultant then there's in-house legal nurse consultants. so those are those are nurses that work directly for attorneys in their office you know saying now those nurses are on a salary probably they have 401k they have benefits i don't have any of that uh, because i'm a independent contractor
1: so what do you get your health insurance from and do you even have a 401k at the moment
0: well if you're thinking ahead which I'm mm-hmm. always thinking ahead mm-hmm. my husband provides us health insurance and he has a 401k but we also have Uh, I have a self-employed Roth IRA and we have several rental properties. So we have other methods of income that my stuff is mostly just as a, I'm reinvesting it back into the, into the business per se. So I don't see any of the money that I'm making. It's going straight into the bank. And then whenever, whenever I'm ready to grow, I will have money in there to invest in.
1: That's, that's awesome. So how many rental properties do you guys own? If you don't mind me asking.
0: Uh, we have Two rental properties and our primary residence, which we're planning on turning into a rental property, hopefully wow. in the next year or two.
1: So how did you guys go about obtaining those two rental properties?
0: Um, actually, my husband, before we got married, he bought a house that he had a, as a rental property. And then when the, when the pandemic started, our neighbors was selling their house and we bought it from them and turned it into a rental property.
1: So do you think it was worth buying those two rental properties?
0: Yeah, it equals out. I do all the finances on it. I kind of do all the business, and the books for my husband and it, it's worth it. I mean, they're paid off in full, so we don't owe anything on it. So it's mostly so- profit
1: yeah, it's all cash flow positive, right? At this point. So how do you balance your personal finances considering that your income most likely fluctuates from month to month?
0: Well, like I said, it really depends on your financial situation. For me personally, my husband is providing for the family and he works full time and he works a lot. My business is supplementary. If I need to access money from there, I can, but I'm envisioning myself six, seven years down the line. Right now, it's all about my husband and the children. And and hopefully if we're blessed enough to have another baby, that's what we want to do. So I'm not too worried about my income fluctuating because I don't use it for daily living, but there are nurses and I've spoken with nurses who do do that. And it, it's one of those things you do have to consider if you want to do some, this type of work that your income will fluctuate because you might not always get a case. You need to have multiple attorneys that are, you're working for so that you have enough turnover, remember that your services are not paid right away. Sometimes you might not get paid at all. There's been situations where nurses (laughs) don't get paid at all by attorneys and then it's just like a loss on the company. Uh, if you're a subcontractor, the nurses that you're working for might not pay you right away. It may be 30 days. So uh, basically what happens is just like for the month of February, I'm getting paid for all the cases that I did in January, right? So I'm always like four weeks behind. So if you're a nurse that wants to do this as a side hustle, you need to have a primary source of income. And as you're getting dipping your toe into the water, you kind of figure out how money flows. You can start to move away from bedside to doing legal nurse consulting because your your income is becoming more steady. You have more clients et cetera. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Now, do you recommend that nurses have malpractice insurance?
0: I think most, most people will say yes. I know that was the case when I worked in the hospital. Uh, a lot of nurses did, and then other nurses didn't. I didn't because I didn't know much about it. I know physicians do, and I would say if you're a nurse, it wouldn't hurt you to have it. That would be like on the defense side, right? So I work for the plaintiff side. So I'm, we're the ones that are producing the allegations and the defense side is defending the allegations. So I actually work for a nurse who does defense work. And so mm. we'll get cases that are claiming certain things and we'll try to. Poke holes in it and say no, it's not this. It's because of this. There has been uh, cases that I've worked where the nurses in question. I think they're covered under like the hospital, if you know what I mean. Like I think that yeah. they're if a nurse comes into question, they're yeah. they're they're covered by the hospital. But uh, it wouldn't hurt. Uh, there are attorneys out there that do uh, defend medical providers and nurses, and I work mm-hmm. for a nurse that does that.
1: Now, would you say more documentation is better than less documentation for a nurse?
0: I mean, if you. Uh, The easiest way to answer this is like, I understand I've been there. I've been a nurse. I know you don't chart right away. I know that you might back chart and that all gets flushed out when people review the records they could see your time entries and stuff like that and stuff like that matters so what do they say in nursing school if you didn't charge it it didn't didn't happen happen? well that's not necessarily true because if they're making an allegation and something else comes up in the record like they say i don't know my blood pressure was so low but you did the nurse didn't document it but then you go the nurse will go and look at the vital signs and then it's not low so you know like you can find (laughs) other methods of proving or not proving that something happened the best advice I have for, y- for you, and this is just how I practice, but remember that in legal nurse consulting, my standard is not the standard. The state that you work for yeah. as a nurse and practice in provides you your standards of care. You need to stay within those bounds. It never hurts to chart more than than the minimum, right? Some people just get by with the minimum, but I wouldn't practice like that. Something happens or, I mean, I tried to do everything. The patient was moved to CT with so-and-so. Yeah. IV started by so-and-so. I mean, Everything. Uh, even if you back chart it, you know, just, it needs to go in the record. Um, but I understand things happen and that stuff gets flushed out.
1: Does that negatively affect you if you do back chart? Like let's say you forgot to chart yesterday on a patient and then you come back like a day later and you're like, okay, maybe I should just chart it today. Does that affect you in any way?
0: Well, if there's something that happened, yeah, that it'll get noted that this person back charted 24 hours and that's odd because they were off that day or, Right. You don't. Yeah. That's not normally what nurses do. They don't go back the next day and chart. So it'll get seen, and then you'll get questioned as to why that's did you chart? Well, I forgot. Well, okay. Well, you forgot. That's fine. People forget all the time, but it is going to get noted, and you will get probably questioned about it, which is normal, right? People want to know why you back charted 24 there, hours ago.
1: Yeah. Are there more common type of cases that you see, or it's pretty broad? They're
0: just all over the place. It's all over the place, really, because think about how many, how many areas of medicine there are, right? You have ortho, you have ambulatory care, you have ER, I mean, surgery. And mind you, there's different legal nurse consulting specialties. So my area is in the ER. So if an attorney comes up to me and and asks me to review a NICU, medical malpractice case, I can't do that. I have to stay within my wheelhouse too, just like you would in nursing. You wouldn't take an assignment that you don't know how to take care of them. It's the same thing in legal nurse consulting, which is why it's so important that you network with nurses because we all help each other in one way or another. I've been asked to subcontract for people because I have an ER background, and I've asked questions to other nurses who have a background in nephrology because of a, some other kind of case you know so we heavily rely on each other because it's it's a small community and your reputation matters quite a bit and your networking matters quite a bit because you never know when you're going to need somebody else and you don't want to have that reputation that you don't want to be worked with that makes sense
1: makes sense yeah so yeah so let's speaking to another nurse what advice would you give them so that they can protect their license and not have it suspended revoked whatever the case may be
0: well, this is speaking me personally as, as a practicing nurse, because yes. I obviously can't give legal advice, no. but things happen all the time in the hospital for lack of staffing or, I don't know, internal disasters, etc. cetera. But if something was due to your negligence, then that was just your negligence, right? We see that happen all the time where you might've given the wrong medication. And I mean, there was that case where the-
1: Oh, Redondavot. Redonda
0: Redonda Vought. That was another perfect example. I'm sure our legal nurse consultant worked. Was it her or was it the system? You know, all that stuff gets looked at in a case. So what can you do as a nurse? You just have to do the right thing and go back to the basics. You nursing process your way out of anything. If you stick to that, you can control your outcomes as much as possible if you stick to the nursing process i know people take shortcuts and stuff like that you got to try to minimize that to protect yourself i always said when i was a practicing nurse if i do right by me i will do right by the patient no if ands or buts like if i'm protecting my license the patient's going to get the best care that they can possibly receive from me i know accidents happen we're we're human errors happen. What can you do to minimize it? You know what you need to do to try to minimize errors from occurring.
1: I agree. So if someone wants to reach out to you, how can they go about doing that?
0: Uh, Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm under Liz Diaz, MBA RN. I'm also on Instagram. I have like a nursing page. It's called Legal Nurse Liz. Or you can email me at diazlegalnurse at gmail.com. I'm always available to answer questions for nurses who are looking to get into this program. Or I can point you in the right direction to somebody who knows about your particular area. Like if you're a NICU nurse or you're an OR nurse who wants to be a legal nurse consultant, there's a big need for legal nurse consultants. It's just you have to find the right attorney who can utilize you. And there's a lot of nurses that are looking to hire very high quality, high performing legal nurse consultants. If you see, if you feel like you're analytical, you're organized, you're impartial and you're a good writer and you have good research skills, this is a a great area to work in. Great people too.
1: All right, guys, that's it for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, but you want to be a future guest, then make sure you click on the link in the description below. And if you want to watch our previous episodes, make sure you click on this link right over here.